Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Gemma, and welcome back to a brand new season of Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who will help us pay attention to something we should know about as well as answer some of your questions. This week we're talking about self-care, what it really means day to day, knowing yourself in order to accept yourself and why we should prioritise our own needs. So joining me this week is Grace Victory, sometimes known as the internet's big sister. Grace is an author, blogger and content creator. Her second book, How to Calm It, was released in 2021 as a guide to help readers work on their own mindfulness. And she's spoken extensively on the topics of mental health, spirituality and wellness in online spaces, encouraging open conversation on the ins and outs of looking after ourselves. There's always someone that needs you all the time. I think it's very important to remember that you you also need you. And so, yes, whatever brings you back to yourself, do more of that. So if we can maybe start with the basics, what does self-care mean to you? I mean, that's not really a basic question. That's a, that's a big question. Uh, okay. So self-care for me means honouring my needs, coming home to myself and making sure that my own cup is full. I feel like as a woman, I'm self-employed, I'm a mum. These are all things that I need to be aware of um, in order to give myself to my child, my relationships and my work. Mm -hmm. I mean, great answer just to immediately kick us off. (laughs) Thank you. So how do you think that that differs from the version of self-care that we maybe see more often on social media, for example? Um, I think back in maybe 2016, self-care became like a buzzword. Mm -hmm. And I remember my therapist at the time saying to me, oh, what do you do for self-care? And I was like, what what is self-care? I'd never even heard of the term before. Mm. Um, and, you know, she was like, you know, what do you do to relax and, and unwind? And I think years ago, that was what self-care was heavily spoken about with. The kind of um, face mask, bubble baths, going for a walk, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I think we've actually now moved on a little bit, especially for me. I try to look at self-care as like, how am I honouring my needs? What do I actually need? And sometimes you do need a face mask. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do need a bubble bath. But also there are times where you need to go to a sexual health clinic. Um, You need to pay your bills on time. Mm -hmm. All these other parts of our daily lives or, you know, monthly living that also matters. 
And it's about taking care of yourself spiritually, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. And how does that look for you on a, on a daily basis? And for me, it isn't, you know, bubble baths and stuff. It is the more deeper things and sometimes the easier things with being a mum, it's not always easy to kind of do these lavish, lovely things. Mm. Sometimes I go to bed half an hour earlier. That's all I can do on that day to make myself feel better or I'm tired, my body aches. I need to honour myself, you know, and sleep. So I think self-care is different for everyone, but I think the conversations around it now are just a lot deeper and more meaningful Yeah, for me anyway. No, I agree, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. But it's also, I feel like self-care as a topic is kind of more complicated than it would initially seem because even you know as we have these conversations and like you just said a lot of what we see is the kind of like face mask bubble bath self-care but it's not even looking at that and saying well no that's not self-care because it can be yeah yeah but it also isn't the only thing so I feel like it's it's that kind of thing where it's personal to the individual right so it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing Yeah. And I think a bubble bath isn't going to fix your deep psychological issues. Mm -hmm. A bubble bath isn't going to fix your financial worries. I think that's where it can get quite murky and quite messy. Um, You know, some people, they need to go to therapy. That should be their Mm -hmm. self-care. Or they need to leave their partner or, you know, move out of their abusive home they share with their their parents. It, It can be very very deep and I do think that sometimes it can get lost but also I think people don't always know what they need Mm. it is hard to take a step back sometimes and actually look at yourself and reevaluate and be like oh like you know that that's a me problem or that's a them problem but I think as you as you get older and as you kind of explore who you are you become more aware of your morals, more more aware of your needs. And when you truly, truly, truly love and care about yourself, it becomes a lot easier to have your needs met and, and make sure that they're being met within, within all your relationships, including yourself, you know, boundaries with yourself and respect to yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. How do you think people can sort of move towards that place of self-love and kind of get into a space where they truly do feel like they deserve to take care of themselves because that's you know that's obviously not a simple place to get to if that's not how you currently feel yeah it's really really hard and I think you know I've got a therapist and I talk a lot about therapy um online and other podcasts and stuff that I do but actually having a therapist is a massive, massive privilege because they're so expensive mm. and, you know, not everyone has access to them. I think one of the big things for me is to kind of make self-reflection a habit mm. and a daily practice. And I always tell people to journal because as soon as you wake up, you grab your phone or you just immediately start your day. There's no there's no time to kind of catch yourself, catch your thoughts. And 
I think journaling in the morning is really beneficial for everyone's mental health and also before bedtime too, because you have all these thoughts throughout the day. Get to the end of the day, you know, you might have a, you might have had a really bad day. You're not sure why it's gone wrong, but just taking that minute to self-reflect is really important. And that's how you get to know yourself. Like I always, I always say to like my friends, like look back in your journal and see like patterns, see where you were a year ago and just use yourself as a mirror. Mm. I think we're very scared of seeing who we really are. I know I am. Mm. And you cannot like yourself, let alone love yourself without actually knowing who you are and seeing, you know, the, the, the really great parts of yourself, but also the parts that need a bit of work, the shadow, the dark, the darkness in you, which we all have. And I think journaling is a really good way to, to see who you are. That's so interesting that we talk about, yeah, kind of getting to know yourself, because that's so true. If you, yeah, if you don't get to grips with all the different sort of parts of your personality, even the bits that you don't necessarily like. Or try, or try to hide. Because we yeah. all have those, I think it stems from your childhood. You know, like when you've got this like quirky thing and someone at school or your parent kind of shuts that down. It's like, oh, that's really weird. And you start mm. hiding who you are from a very young age. So you get to your adult, your adulthood and you've left parts of yourself behind or you've forgotten who you are. I think becoming an adult is about rediscovering yourself and your inner child. It's a really beautiful process. Yeah, I love that. It's, um, I mean, you mentioned earlier, so I've got a good little factor from my uh, researching for the episode. So according to Google Trends, the number of searches online for self-care have more than doubled since 2015, which I think it was around 2016, you said it kind of pushed more into our kind of collective psyche yeah what do you think is driving that conversation now and why are we kind of still putting more of an emphasis on self-care as something that we it seems like everybody feels they need at the moment I think one people are really unhappy and are very aware of that now and two I think because of covid um self-isolating not really having those outside tools, you know, going for drinks on the weekend or going out and about, whatever it is, being inside so much more meant that we were seeing ourselves a lot more mm-hmm. with our thoughts. We were having to entertain ourselves with pretty much nothing that was kind of, you know, outside influence. So I think maybe that's why, but also maybe it's just like the collective awakening of kind of like how hard the world is, how difficult we're finding things. I think there's a lot to influence music, you know, what you're listening to. I think a lot of artists are coming up now and releasing songs that are a bit more meaningful, a bit more deep, using music as a healing tool. And I think also like influencers and social media and what we're talking about, I think for so long, all of us have been and probably still are pretending that everything's fine everything's great and actually it's very kind of I don't know fresh a a breath of fresh air Mm. to be honest and be like oh I'm struggling this is what I'm going through and I think we're all just much more honest about what we're lacking Mm. 
mm. or what we need. I think just self-care just falls into that umbrella. Yeah, definitely. Do you think when you say kind of we're all, it feels like we're all a bit aware that we're unhappy. Do you think that that kind of social media environment and comparing ourselves to people who mm -hmm. look on social media to be really happy all the time do you think that's kind of driving that or I think it's a part of it yeah mm. um I think social media is a really great tool for many things but I think it can hinder us in terms of mm. being okay with who we are and I don't think I, I really used to push the narrative of like you have to love yourself you have to love yourself whereas now it's more about acceptance that like you have to accept yourself mm -hmm. and I think if you're searching on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever for things that make you feel bad about yourself it it kind of takes away opportunities to like yourself and accept yourself who you are so yeah I think social media definitely plays a role in like our self-perception Mm. And how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive others because I definitely I go online and I'm like oh great someone else in the Maldives amazing tan amazing <laughs> food and I'm sat in my flat in London bored out of my brain and you know we all do it I think it's really important to like be aware of it take a step back come off the internet mm -hmm. and limit your social media usage which I know is really hard mm. um for some people but I think it's really having an impact on who we are and our mental health and something's got to give you know you can't keep complaining that you're unhappy without actively trying to to change if that makes sense yeah it does make sense I mean I think it is again it's one of those things that's a lot harder to do than it is to say yeah. but yeah but yeah completely how do you find as you know, a content creator, someone who is online and works online and talks about wellness. Mm -hmm. How do you personally try and kind of find that balance of not kind of giving too much of yourself to social media while also not completely being able to really step away? I don't go on Instagram and stuff straight away in the mornings, mm -hmm. mainly because I've got a child who's demanding my attention as soon as we wake up. <laughs> But I try and limit my usage. So I've got a warning on my phone. So it says if I've been on my phone for more than two hours, like on TikTok, Instagram or Twitter, it will tell me like you're coming to the end of your usage time. So I try and do two hours a day, which is amazing how quickly that time goes. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh my God, like scrolling. You don't realise how much you scroll. I think it's an addiction it's got to be an addiction and I tend to come off online completely over the weekend but it's taken me many years like a decade to mm. get to this point and I try and really 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 like curate my feed so who I'm following I don't follow people that wind me up or have outlandish opinions I try and make it a happy space Mm -hmm. And obviously, you, you know, you might see the odd comment or you've got a troll or some stupid news articles been retweeted onto your timeline, whatever it is. But for the most part, I follow people that I think are great mm -hmm. and teach me, teach me something can make me feel good about myself, etc, etc. But also, I'm only human and some days I get triggered by something online or I'm comparing myself to somebody else. So 
the answer to your question <laughs> is I limit my time, mm -hmm. but I could probably do better with social media. Um, but I think when it's your job, it's a bit harder. You do get sucked in sometimes. And I think, I don't know, it's hard because you do have a community online. You do have people you want to connect to and speak to and, you know, and you want to see what they're getting up to. But at the same time, I just don't think it's healthy to to be in this online world as much as we all are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that is 100% one of those things, again, that like, I know this about myself. I am actually... I feel like after we have this conversation I'm gonna put that thing on my phone where I have like some kind of time limit because yeah. I never I'm like I know that I do use Instagram like a, you know a fair amount but I think because I'm not like I'm not posting every day for example right. I, I think maybe in my head I feel like I don't use it as much as I do mm. so I think maybe I'm gonna do what you do and it'll tell me when I've spent you know an hour two hours and then it might make me realize I feel like when I post a photo and then leave, I spend less time on social media than if I'm not posting and I'm just scrolling through Instagram or looking mm. at everyone's stories. Yes, I feel like what you're saying is very true. You've, be, you've been tricked. <laughs> I, I have. I fooled myself into thinking I'm not as bad as I am. Um, I hope you don't mind me asking. So you did, you touched on the kind of pandemic element to how we're all feeling before. Yeah you obviously had a huge experience or like of the pandemic very personally yeah it it makes me wonder kind of after that experience how it's kind of changed how you feel about self-care and what that looks like to you would you mind kind of telling us a bit about what happened and then afterwards so I got ill whilst pregnant um in December 2020 with COVID and it basically turned into pneumonia and I had multiple organ failure, cardiac arrest, uh, a trachea fitted so I could breathe on a ventilator, et cetera, et cetera. I had to learn to walk again. It was a whole thing. But before I got ill, work was like my life. Like mm. I lived to work. And that, come, that came from being a child, single parent household, working class. I knew to make something of myself, to make money, to be someone, I had to work extremely hard, mm -hmm. especially knowing that I'm one, a mixed race, two, plus size, and yeah, three, poor. So those things were going to work against me. And I always knew that. So I used to, I've worked from a very, very young age and I kept working, I kept working. And I would choose work over, you know, family birthdays, parties, going out, I would always choose to work and then sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep. And then when the pandemic first hit, I loved it. The world was in utter chaos, but I felt completely calm because I was raised in chaos. It was nothing new to me. And I loved having no emails. I loved not having to really do a lot because I'd worked constantly in my whole life and I think getting ill and basically well, dying and then coming back I obviously had a complete change of perspective on like my mortality life in general and what was important to me mm. and coming 
you know, back into work, you know, I told my team, I told, you know, everyone around me that I don't want to work like I worked before. I want mm-hmm. to work smart. I don't want to work particularly hard. I've got, I'm a mum, I've got a child. He deserves more of me than Instagram does or mm-hmm. work or brand deals. And I've been very clear with that. And sometimes I do slip up. Sometimes I think, oh, I could probably take that job on or do this. And my team are like, no, like we're saying no on your behalf, which I really appreciate. So for me personally, you know, COVID impacted my life in so many ways. But a good thing is that who I've become since is a much better version of Grace. And in terms of like my relationships and my friends, and I really, really value people now. Whereas before I didn't, I, I used to actually view people as disposable mm. because that's just, I guess, a manifestation of my own trauma and my own childhood and, you know, how I have been trying to protect myself for so long. So, yeah, <laughs> deep. Yeah, it is deep. I mean, it's like, it's obviously an experience that most people won't, well, I wouldn't say most people won't have had that's very obvious but you know you know what I mean I think yeah it does sometimes take really listening to people who've had quite an extreme experience because you know it's obviously unfortunate that you've had that experience but then all Mm. of this kind of like wisdom that comes out of it and the reflections that you have I always think it's so important to really listen to people who've been through that kind of thing because you know you you've lived it you know you've learned the lessons and we should listen to that yeah and I think death doesn't always happen in a physical sense like we die all the time spiritually we go through you know death of our past selves the death of our relationship our friendship etc etc obviously my my death was physical and so so dramatic and traumatizing but actually, I've died many times before then, just in different ways. Mm. And that's how, that's how I view it. Obviously, the physical self dying is, is, a, is a shock. I'm waking up and I can't speak, I can't move. I'm completely, you know, trapped in, in a hospital bed and my baby's not here, my partner's not here. It's com- obviously completely different to, you know, spiritually dying. But at the same time, there are similarities with that. Mm. And even hospital, actually... I was like hell bent on my self-care and the nurses were saying to me we've never met anyone like you because I would like make my bed in the mornings but I can't move properly I'm like I'm I'm doing my bed and I'm spraying my room spray and I'm trying to make the situation that I'm in a little bit better Mm. so in terms of like being so so unwell I was still doing self-care, but just in different ways because it's so important to me and it makes me feel like grace. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. Thanks, Thanks babes. <laughs> I wanted to ask you as well during the kind of main bulk of our chat because a lot of the questions um, that people sent in to ask you, which I will ask you some of them in a little bit, um, were kind of around the idea of how we kind of prioritize self-care especially in the realm of for example parenting I mean I suppose it applies you know if you've got anyone who relies on you or are kind of is dependent or you know you need to look after someone 
yeah. the whole idea of sort of put your own oxygen mask on before you help someone else I think is true yeah but also quite difficult so as like as a mum how have you kind of found that are there any sort of tips that you could give people well I struggle with that because I think because of what happened I am just so obsessed with my child and I give everything I have to him Mm -hmm. and for him but one thing that I do do is I'm very strict on his bedtime like he is in bed asleep by about quarter to seven because I need my evening every single evening to myself Mm -hmm. and that could be really for myself in terms of I'm in my bedroom by myself I'm watching a YouTube video I'm journaling I've run a bath or it could be with my partner and nurturing our relationship because when you become a parent your relationship does change and that's one thing I didn't expect becoming a new mum you have no energy for your partner anymore it used to be just you two and then suddenly this beautiful baby is here and you're like, oh, I don't care about you anymore. <laughs> you just you, you, you just kind of forget that you actually have to nurture that relationship still. Mm. And it's very, very hard. So I do try to keep every evening for myself. So I rarely work. You know, I might go and see a friend for dinner every now and then. But I like to be home. I like to fill up my cup. Because if I haven't done, you know, 7, 7 to 9 p.m. of just some me time, the next day, I can't cope. My brain doesn't work properly. I'm tired. I'm irritable. So one thing I've learned is that to to be a decent mum and, and a mum that I want to be, I have to fill up my cup. I have to. Otherwise, I've got nothing to give. But in other areas, like meal times for myself, nutritious meals, and spending time, you know, getting a massage and my nails done, I find difficult. Mm. But the evenings are mine and my therapy sessions, they're the, they're the things that I don't tend to negotiate. Um, but it is so hard. It's so, so hard, especially single parents. I just don't know how my own mum did it because mm. honestly, because kids are wild. Like if there's any parents listening, <laughs> kids are wild. Um, and it is so, so hard to kind of remember who you are outside of being a parent because it's very easy just to fit, oh, I'm a mum. Let's do mum things all mm-hmm. the time. But actually you do need to do things that are just for you. But I honestly have no advice because I'm still learning. I'm, I, you know, Cyprus, my, my child is 16 months, but I still feel like a new mum. Mm. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still... I'm still learning. So ask me again in about two years' time. Okay, we'll, we'll revisit. <laughs> I think that's nice to hear anyway, because I do think, you know, sometimes it feels like everybody else has got all of this stuff figured out. Mm. And yeah. they haven't. Like, and I, actually, I think that's quite therapeutic to know at points anyway. Like, I'm remembering there was one particular email question and it was a mum who was saying, you know, how do you kind of come back to yourself when you're when you just physically don't have the time. So I think I think her example was 
you know, when your child just like needs to be on you at a particular moment. And she was like, you know, as an introvert who just needs time like away from people, but the person yes. is physically on your body, kind of how do yes. you sort of come back to yourself? And it's, I mean, it sounds like maybe you're more on the kind of introverted side if you need that time like to yourself to recharge. I'm such an intro, I'm so introverted. It's not even funny. Like there are some days I just can't speak. Like I just think, don't talk to me. No one call me. I can't. <laughs> so I completely relate to that. And Cyprus is the same. He wants to be on me all the time. Um, and you you do start to feel touched out. Like you're like, oh my god, if one more person touches me, I'm going to go mad. And I completely get that. I think like compassion for yourself and taking time out. Like sometimes I go I go to the toilet for five minutes. I'm sat having a wee and I'm scrolling on TikTok. And I'm like, I just need five minutes to myself because it is, it's so relentless. It's amazing, but it is hard being, being a parent. But I definitely think the evenings are how I kind of come home to myself and find solace. And also actually my own mum, I call my mum and I'm like, mum, I need you to have Cyprus for just half an hour, just an hour because I'm going to go mad. I'm losing my mind. Mm. And asking for help is really, really vital, which I know can be quite hard because you do get mum guilt. And again, it's a privilege to have people around you that you trust with your child. Um, but I always ask for help, always. And I feel no shame in that. Good. I mean, I think that's quite a common thing as well, even if it isn't mum guilt, for example, but the kind of general feeling that taking that time for your own kind of self-care and yeah just putting your own needs above anyone else's needs whether that's you know your employer or colleagues or your child or your parent or who like whoever you think needs you more mm -hmm. the sort of feeling selfish for your self-care kind of idea how do we sort of get past that and realize that this is all worth doing and we need to do it I think you've got to cut out all the noise. There's a lot of noise about what women should be doing, what parents and mums should be doing, and what and what our lives should look like. But actually, no. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. Do what makes you feel energised. Some people, you know, go on a run, and that gives them that energy, and they come home to themselves. So I think running for a lot of people can be quite meditative mm. but for me that's my worst nightmare I mean so I'm going for a massage babes yeah so I think it's individual and do whatever you need to do and yeah be selfish I think there is a misconception that like being selfish is really really bad in some ways you know it can be but other ways it's so important for your own well-being to like mm. take that time for yourself and just have no shame in that and I think it does come with time and age and you get to a point where you just don't care anymore and just honour what you need. You know, you've got your you've got your child or you've got a dog or, you know, your mum relies on you. There's always someone that needs you all the time. I think it's very important to remember that you you also need you. Yeah. And so yeah, so whatever brings you back to yourself, do more of that. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Camille, who says... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How do you know that you've found a good way to take care of yourself? Because I've tried millions of times and I still feel the same as before and feel like I can't see any progress in my well-being. So with well-being, we try all the different ways to make ourselves feel happy. And actually, happiness is a very fleeting feeling. I mean, I don't feel happy all the time. Um, but one thing that I try and work on is my peace. And I think changing the narrative around well-being is really beneficial. So instead of trying to feel happiness, try to feel peace or try to feel present and that is where you will find some degree of contentment but also which I know is a privilege is seeking therapy because sometimes we do have underlying issues in our subconscious that we're unaware of so you can try a million things you can try acupuncture you can try uh, I don't know out outdoor swimming cold water swimming um you can try all these things they just don't shift that niggling feeling of kind of like the clouds mm. and that's when I think seeing a therapist can help because you, can, you can't always fix you know trauma with self-care you can't fix psychological issues with a bath or exercise you can't you've got to work through things and process so that's what I would say thank you I feel like it kind of maybe even links into the next question. So next one is from Caspian, who says, I'm a huge advocate for self-care, but I find myself getting burnt out after one or two weeks. Mm. What are some ways that help you stay in healthy habits and not get off track? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, accountability is quite good. Uh, and a lot of our self-sabotage, I know that's been a thing for me before, um, through lack of boundaries. And a lot of us are aware of boundaries with other people, but not with ourselves. Mm. And that's one thing that I would say is really important to work on is your own boundaries with yourself. So, for example, you're, you're getting burnt out, which means you're doing too much. So, for me, I would be like, okay, I'm going to start going to bed an hour earlier. And then you find yourself on TikTok for an extra three hours. And you're like, oh, my God. I'm going to bed at midnight. I should have gone to bed at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. That's self-sabotage. That's your own lack of boundaries for yourself. So I would start there. Start working on your boundaries and do small things. I think sometimes we fall into this trap of like thinking things have got to be really, really, really big to be impactful. When actually small things daily can help massively. So 
burnout is, you know, giving yourself to other people way too much. So kind of take your energy back, take back uh, your power and use that, you know, fuel your own fire. Yeah, I mean, as kind of like a combination of the last two questions, I feel like that's really, really relatable personally. Like I'm definitely a self-sabotage person. It makes me think, so I was, I was looking kind of back at your Instagram before this recording and in your uh, sort of wellness highlight, there was one slide where it was, I think it was like a prompt you were using for journaling. Yeah. That was like, write a list of things you do that make you feel shit and you keep doing them anyway and I was like oh my god I've just been attacked like but that sort of thing of you know like you say oh I should go to bed early but then you know you stay on your phone for too long like I know these things are hard to do but I also think maybe part of the background of those two questions might be when we try and do too much at once when you kind of Mm. you know you might see a video of someone's like daily self-care routine and think okay I'm gonna change my whole life tomorrow and get up at six do a meditation make a green juice do some yoga and I'm gonna do that every day for the rest of my life and obviously well for anyone who's anything like me that's way too many big changes to make and stick with all in one go yeah so is it kind of about slowly building things in yes absolutely slowly but surely daily habits so for example I like only do meditation at the moment on the weekend because in the morning my child is just out of control um but on Saturdays when he naps I take the time to meditate and I could probably do it more but right now I can't be asked so that's what I do and you know every morning I take my vitamins have elderberry and sea moss drink and that's kind of like two things that I tend to do every day mm-hmm. but that's because it's easy manageable and I like doing it yeah but before I had a child I would do like you know incense burning sage burning meditation healing music journaling and I had the time but now it doesn't serve me because I haven't got the time and I can't be asked so you know your daily habits and your rituals will change mm-hmm. but it's important just to have something that's for you otherwise you will get burnout. Absolutely. Last question is from Katie who says I just wanted to ask you how you balance self-care with still being productive. I'm a first year college student and I often feel like I'm either working too much or resting too much. Mm. I feel like a lot of us feel this way. Mm. I think we're taught from a young age, I think living in London, living in the UK just in general actually, there's this grind culture, like work hard, I can sleep when I'm dead, that kind of like meme that you see going around, which I hate. Um, I mean, same. Yeah. And so you're taught just to work every hour of, of the day that you possibly can. It's just not normal but it's been normalized government policies the cost of living we are constantly on this hamster wheel to make enough money to survive or you know go to college go to university to make it out of your hometown that you hate etc etc there's all these stories we tell ourselves right but actually resting is productive and that's where you've got to change the narrative around rest 
resting isn't being lazy. It's, you know, it shouldn't be boring. It's actually a way for you to be able to work. You can't work day in, day out without rest. And I think changing that perspective helps massively. Mm. And, you know, what does rest look like? Because some people resting is lying down horizontally, watching a show on Netflix and eating popcorn, which is what I love to do. But actually, rest for some people is seeing friends filling up their extroverted selves. Mm -hmm. Rest for them is going on a long walk, their headphones in, you know, cutting out all of the world, rest of the noise. So I think maybe you just do things that are restful for you. You know, for me, I, I absolutely love a bath. That's how I rest. That's how I relax. But like for my partner, rest for him is headphones in, listening to music or watching a film. So find what works for you and work through the guilt. There's a lot of guilt around, you know, a lot of women especially and, and girls um, that it's, it's bad to rest. You have to work day in, day out, every hour of the day. But it's, that's not productive. Mm. Over, being overly productive is not productive, which sounds so stupid, but it's so, so true. Yeah, You haven't got to work hard all the time. I think there's this energy that like life has got to be really hard to, to matter. And it doesn't. Like We all deserve a soft, joyous life, mm. you know? Yeah, definitely. It also, it makes me think as well, because I feel like I've heard a lot of different conversations about this kind of thing. Like um, Callie Thorpe talks about this quite a lot, where you kind of can get into a space where in your head, if you're thinking, you know, self-care is giving myself time to rest, as we say, which means, you know, going very slowly and doing all these like very gentle things. But sometimes if you kind of expand what you're thinking about, so you're thinking about rest, but when you incorporate self-care as more things, mm-hmm. so part of self-care might be doing your homework as a, you know, yeah. do, do you call it homework as a college student? I don't know. But you know, that kind of thing where you're not just looking after yourself in that very, very gently, gently bath bomby kind of way, but also, you know, trying to think that looking after yourself is actually doing things that are going to make your life easier and make your life yeah. better. Like, And I do, those things are, you know, again, hard to do and maybe not as like cute or like Instagrammable, but yeah, it yeah, still yeah. is part of looking after yourself at the same time, I think. Mm-hmm. Making your bed, having a home cooked meal, all of these different things, living more wholesomely and more in tune with um, nature I think is a really important thing we we should be more like nature you know psych- we're cyclic beings we can't be on and 100% all of the time that's just not how we're meant to be and yeah I think we just deserve to show ourselves a bit more compassion to be honest If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs and email me at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest, and that's if listeners want to find out more about self-care and what we've been talking about. Could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Okay, something to read my own book 
great. Called How to Calm It. Um, it's all about how to live a more peaceful life. Um, it's a pocket-sized book slash guide. Um, you can read it in literally an hour probably. Um, but it's an amazing book if I do say it myself. As well, you should. And yes, and it talks about uh, trauma. It talks about self-care, um, different strands of well-being, physical, spiritual, emotional, um, how you can cleanse your space, how you can, uh, you know, revive your energy, etc. It's a really good book. Um, and then secondly, I tell people to look back at their own journal, like read your own journal, mm-hmm. because you're able then to reflect on yourself, you're able to see um, a pattern in, I don't know, problems or thoughts, um, and then see how far you've come as well. So that's why I recommend. Thank you very much. Have you got anything to listen to or watch that you'd like yes, to add? Yes, I do. So Brene Brown, I just love everything she does. Um, she has really good, I think it's a TED talk, but I'm not quite sure. It's on YouTube. Um, it's a um, talk on courage and what it means to be courageous and brave. And it's the most powerful, moving, inspirational thing I've ever seen. I literally love it. Um, and she also has an amazing podcast where she talks to celebrities, doctors, psychologists, all about courage, the mind, um, spirituality, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's able to like, open your mind to things, which I really, really like. Um, and then I also recommend listening to Kalani's latest album, and um, it's called Blue Water Road. Um, she's an R&B artist, but it's an album about her own healing with like mm-hmm. love and relationships. Um, and if you want just like background music, you know, soft, chill vibes, a really good album that kind of gets you in your feels um, and makes you um, like connect yourself on a deeper level. Thank you for listening and thank you to Grace for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using and would really appreciate if you've got an extra minute, you can leave us a rating and review as well. Your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.